So I have a bit of trivia for you. Okay. And you probably already know this, but I, I'm not somebody who follows sports or the Walt Disney Company that closely. So did you know that the Anaheim Ducks are a team that were was literally invented by the Walt Disney Company for the movie The Mighty Ducks? Oh, very much so. Yes. I mean, I the The Mighty Ducks was one of my favorite movies growing up, and I grew up in Orange County. So if anyone's going to know about that, it's going to be me. Well, sure. But like I... Again, that wasn't a, like that movie didn't speak to me, and I don't think I've ever, ever actually seen it in its entirety. I probably have caught pieces of it on like basic cable over the years, but I, I didn't think they would invent their own hockey team. Yeah, I, they're they're just the Ducks now. They're not not the Mighty Ducks anymore. Yeah, they're the Anaheim. That that's what I was trying to figure out. I think I was on ESPN and I saw a score from them, and I was wondering, oh, why aren't they called the Mighty Ducks? But apparently, yeah, they began in 1992. And the Walt Disney Company spent like $50 million to pay like some type of franchise fee that allows them to play in the same market as the LA Kings. Right. I just thought that, that that's one hell of a promotion for a movie. Because I don't understand what the Disney Company gets gains by having a hockey team that plays near Disneyland. I didn't. I actually didn't realize that the movie and the team were the same year. Yeah, and I don't know which one came first, or I assume it was the movie, but I think maybe the same year. But that that was really weird to me. Yeah, I, I guess I, I had my memory was that the movie came out, and then it was like a couple of years later that the team formed. But um, yeah, movies movie is also nineteen ninety two. Pretty strange. That's a gr- great movie. You should see it. I'm not sure. Or, uh, sorry, I meant to say I, I don't think so. I, actually, I guess I don't know how well it holds up. I mean, I haven't seen it probably in 20 years, but... Hold on, let's talk about that. So, it's it's come to my attention that I have not seen a lot of movies people think I should have seen. And oh, yo, it, you, you don't say. I don't know why, but this has come up a lot in the past two weeks. Um, and I have a particular problem, and I think this is more of an issue with movies between the year 2000 and 2009 is that the technology destroys the movie for me like does that make sense like the type of phone somebody's using just the fact that like most technology would make the plot completely just whatever the central problem is doesn't matter like that that seems to be something that just kills me from watching movies that are not even that old. And I think that's going to be a continuing thing where technology will age movies, particularly after the launch of the iPhone. Like, I don't want to make it all about that, but like, I don't know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really good college humor video. I don't know if you've seen this, but it, it's a parody of 24. And it's, um, it, it's basically showing what 24 would be like if it took place... I think it's like it's supposed to be like in the early 90s so like instead of cell phones jack has to use fax machines <laughs> to like send things back and forth between him and ctu how old is this because i haven't seen anything from them in a while it's it's a number of years old i think okay um they, it's it's pretty good and it's it's kind of i think it's kind of touching on what you're what you're saying there yeah but anyway like yeah there's a lot of movies like that where just it's 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 much tougher for me to enjoy old movies because of that. And and one thing uh one thing that kind of brings us up is 
uh, on a uh, recent episode of Reconcilable Differences, one of John Syracuse's favorite movies is a movie called The Game. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I've ever even heard of it. So the, it's a movie the, the, that the, was... The Game? Yeah, it was directed or produced or something like that by uh, David Fincher, who is famous for a lot of other movies. And I think most recently he did House of Cards. Yes. Um, so it was, very, it was a very good uh, thriller. It was from 1997, and it stars uh, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Um, and it's a very good movie. So I would recommend you watch that. It, it holds up even with all... Like, the technology thing it kept, like, rearing its head and kind of distracting me, but it was a good enough movie that I, I my head was in the game the whole way. You know what movie the uh, technology doesn't get in the way of is Empire Strikes Back? I think it probably does. Like like the control pa- like when I, uh, episode four when I was watching like the control panels and just everything was like so no just I was like nah, this is this is weird not even like the special effects like that I don't care because I'm not somebody <clears throat> who watches like the Avengers or all these Marvel movies or Iron Man where I, or like Michael Bay films where it's all just CGI this and that and explosions and stuff where like I'm I'm not I don't have like that frame of mind for like present day movies so it's not that but no just technology still kills it for me so this isn't um this isn't my pick of the week although i I wish i could make it my pick of the week um the this new star wars movie the force awakens in imax pretty good pretty pretty good so that's what i was gonna ask before we started the show so what is i have never seen an imax movie so what is other than it's just being a bigger screen? Like what is what is the difference? Well, okay, so IMAX is a surprisingly complicated thing. So <laughs> of course it is. So you're sure so you're right. So there, it's a bigger screen. Although the first layer of complexity is there are different IMAX standards, and actually San Francisco is like the perfect example of this, where there are two different IMAX screens in the city. There's one. It's on the AMC on Van Ness, and then there's one at the Metreon downtown. And so the one at the Metreon is like the, I, I don't know what I'll, like the official IMAX or like the full-size IMAX. It's the same type of screen that um, the Irvine Spectrum has down in Southern California, um, where it, it's kind of like the IMAX that people think of. Whereas standard. Right. In Irvine. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Whereas the screen at the AMC Van Ness is it, it's still called IMAX, but it's significantly smaller than the one um, at the Metreon. So there's like different size IMAX screens. Um, and then the movies themselves, there's lots of different versions, all the way from, um, I don't know if they do this so much anymore, but it, it definitely was a thing at the Irvine Spectrum, like in the early days of IMAX, where they would literally just take movies, just regular movies that they were showing in theaters that were not in any way optimized towards IMAX and they would just show them on the IMAX screen but they would they would brand them differently they would make it very clear I forget what they actually called it but they would make it very clear that it was not like an official IMAX film because like the film quality was nowhere as good like they were they were literally just blowing up the image on a bigger screen and it still looked okay but uh, it wasn't like a like a true IMAX movie um, which is where you get into like what that means like what is an IMAX movie and there's like and quick quick question who makes like i know thx is like a lucasfilm thing is imax owned or like sponsored by a certain company that's a good question though the one at the metreon had a dlp 
logo show right before the movie started. So whoever owns them, I think, has a role in it. Uh, but I, but I, it's I, not I like a major movie studio, or at least not that you know of. I don't think so. Okay. Um, so with, with IMAX, so um, you there's a couple of different versions that films come in. The, the most common one are just films that are basically like up So the films that are just shot you know, like they would be for a regular movie theater, basically get retouched so that they're up to some standard that IMAX sets. Um, and that's the way that most movies are. And that's the way that most of the Star Wars movie is. Um, but then there are movies that are actually filmed using IMAX cameras. Um, and the reason why this is pretty rare is because the cameras are absolutely enormous and they're really expensive and they're because of how big they are they're they're hard to navigate through like complex action sequences um but there's one sequence filmed in this new Star Wars movie that's was filmed using IMAX cameras and it's interesting because it's you know it's it's like the equivalent of um remember like 4 by 3 versus widescreen like in the early days of DVDs um, I definitely do it, too it, well it's kind of like that where you know, IMAX screens are taller than they are wide, and so they kind of almost have like a four Wait, by what? three. Yeah, I mean they're they're super super tall, and they're they're also pretty wide, but I think they're a little taller than they are wide. But aren't most movies that like might be considered like made for IMAX? Aren't they always in that super super wide? Well, so no, so so they're basically movies that have scenes that are not shot using IMAX cameras, which again is the majority, are letterboxed. So there's there's letterboxing on the IMAX screen. Interesting. But so the way that it works is sequences that are filmed using the IMAX cameras, again, which the Star Wars movie had one of those, then the image takes up the entire screen. Um, and like another common example or famous example of this is the second Batman movie had three or four sequences that were filmed in IMAX. And so the the film would switch back and forth between being letterboxed versus taking up the entire IMAX screen. That's weird. Um, it's subtle. Wouldn't I mean, that be just, well, how would it be subtle? Like well, if, so if, it's, it, if you're going from one, like uh, 1.8 to one to like one to one, like, so it's a square, that's weird. So, um, with Batman, the, the dark Knight the second film, it, it was noticeable because it would bounce back and forth between the two fairly frequently. I mean, there were a couple of main sequences that were filmed in IMAX, but then there were also just like random like panoramic shots that were that would go, you know, cut back and forth between that and then a, a like a dialogue scene that wasn't. But with The Force Awakens, it was just one sequence that was and then it then it was over. Um, so that, that wasn't, that wasn't particularly distracting. Um, and then on top of all this, there's also 3d IMAX, which has now become probably the most common. It seems like almost every new IMAX movie that comes out is now in 3d. I, I presume because they can charge an extra couple bucks for the tickets. So star Wars was, was 3d IMAX. So yeah, lots, lots of different versions, lots of different flavors of something that seems like it should be fairly straightforward. Interesting. Well, okay. So there's a lot of different directions we can take this week's episode in, um, and it's up to you. Um, I have a couple of bees in my bonnet. Uh, 
So you can start or you can let me start. Oh, I, I, I like the ones that you come good and angry to. So, so please start. So I, I have a bone to pick, or basically I, there's something I want to, I want to put you out on public like notice for that <laughs> oh. I think, and this is not the one that you think it is. This is that you were, uh, so we met up this weekend and you were very incredulous or, uh, about the way that I wear my Apple Watch. Oh, it's oh, it's this it's the it's simply the worst. It's not. You, you, every everybody in in the world no. is except me and Craig Hockenberry and probably a a few other enlightened people are wearing it upside down. So this this is your Apple Watch. And we we we've talked about this on the show, but I th- I think this was the first time I had seen you in person or at least the first time that I had noticed it since we talked about it. And I mean it's I know it sounds worse on the show, which I know is what you know all the listeners are thinking, but it, it's a thousand times worse in person. It's not. So here's the deal. So I'm, the way Apple markets the watch is that it should it's a square, so it doesn't really matter what orientation it's in. But it has the side button and it has the digital crown. And I, my, I'm so surprised at how, like, does the digital crown seem like one of the least, like, most hyped and least functional ways to access the phone the watch well it totally does i mean when they first announced the watch didn't they compare the digital crown to like the touch interface on the iphone like it was going to be that next big leap they, in they said it, they said it was like the uh, the like the iphone's touch screen and the click wheel on the iphone like it was that level of like massive user interface change hmm so anyway, so like that, that uh, on one side, there's no buttons, and then there's the the little friends button, which is the worst, and that little friends picker thing shouldn't even exist, uh, which it should just be an Apple Pay button, but anyway. And then you have the digital crown uh, that allows you to dial in and out and accidentally enable time travel. Uh, so that those are the two functions of those things. So generally, visually, the way that Apple markets it is that those things are on the right-hand side. And because you can kind of put the the bands on any way that you want, Apple officially supports the ability to say that you are going to wear the device with the button and crown on the left, which is a far better, more ergonomic, more precise way of interacting with the watch. And I, I am shocked that you are so inflexible that you will not even give this a try for a couple of days. No, I I would absolutely never never consider it. Why is that? It just it just seems like complete madness. I mean, it's it, it's it's like if you. So, wh- are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Which uh, wrist do you wear your watch on? My left. And let's say you're gonna set a timer. If you're gonna use the digital crown to select a time, which finger are you like? Which finger is the most sensible to use to adjust the? the the time you're probably your thumb right um for the timer i usually use my right index finger but which finger would be most sensible ignoring where the buttons are my right index finger that's not true <laughs> it is your thumb and you get more precision if you use your thumb no so far, I mean, and and the, the digital crown happens to be in the lower left so so maybe i have so maybe i have fat thumbs like we, that can't be ruled out but so I'm trying to u- trying to move the digital crown with my thumb right now. Again, it's it, because you're wearing the watch, watch upside down. I don't think that has anything to do with what I'm doing right now, though. No, no, because pretend that the, the, the crown was in the lower left. It's perfect. 
I just think my my thumb is like too wide. It, like it basically like makes contact with the screen before it makes contact with the digital crown. Then you're holding it wrong. I, I just uh, wasn't that Steve Jobs' famous quote. Yeah, you're just holding the phone wrong. Yeah. Um. No, you're. But you seriously, give it a try. No. That's it's complete. That's complete. Is there some madness. type of bet that we can make on the show that I can make this the like what I win? No. Like, can we make a bet on when the iPad Air three comes out and whether or not it supports the Apple Pencil? And if you're wrong, you have to try this for two days. No. Why not? Because I, I really, I really don't want to wear my Apple Watch upside down. No, no, you're currently wearing it upside down. You just don't <laughs> happen to know it. So I, in in your defense, the the thing I was really surprised when when we talked about this last weekend was that this is an officially supported feature. So I I think that it's a lot less weird now that I understand that Apple supports it. But the first time you brought it up, I don't know when that was, a month or two ago. On Wait, the did, show. You, did you did you think the watch was just like the screen was upside down no, all the time? No, I, I, def- I literally thought I I didn't think through this very carefully, but I literally thought that maybe you just made the setting so that um it thought that the watch was on your right wrist but you continue to wear it on your left wrist and that somehow then that like made the orientation right gotcha (laughs) even though i don't i don't know if that actually i guess that actually that that thing that line of thought actually does i think make some sense (laughs) kind of (laughs) so yeah so it's you know it's it's somewhat less crazy but still nuts i've got to find something really implausible for you to bet on and we're, we're gonna fix this okay and then the second thing okay um, is, is this is this directed at me too a little bit no, this is more of a general no 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 again I, there's nothing wrong that you're doing i just think oh, that thank you you should open you should open your horizon expand your horizons a little bit and think about a better way of doing things okay i'll keep that in mind see <laughs> that was a very diplomatic i'm never going to think of this again yeah it's pretty pretty much okay uh let's talk because uh, one of your things that you'd thrown in kind of our ideas uh channel was uh that you disabled the uh unread count for email on the ios mail app yes so go ahead and talk about that but i think this is also going to lead into a much bigger discussion on iphone home screens okay so i mean this is I mean, we we famously bring up first world problems on the show, and this is no exception to that. I for a while now, I've been thinking that all the unread notification badge does on the mail app is it just causes me undue anxiety because whenever I see a number pop up there, I have this urge to want to see what it is, and you know. N- 99.5% of time of the time which anybody who's ever used email already knows the message is worthless and it wasn't wasn't worth me immediately addressing it may i interrupt real quick yes do you allow email notifications to come to your watch oh abs- absolutely not no that's madness to, to okay to continue not, to not allow that correct hmm oh we should we should come back to that we should but Please continue. Well, but your do you, point. but do you have your you have your work email on your phone? I have both, and you have notifications for both. You just need to get better about managing your email. Okay. Well, let, let's come back. To that. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, I this morning I 
said enough, and and so I, I disabled it. And so, you know, now I will, you know, I guess periodically check it on my phone as as time permits. But I think what I want to try to do is is actually just move away from doing so much mail on my phone and really just focus on email when it makes sense, which is like when I'm at my desk at work or like if, you know, if I'm at home just watching TV or something, then I can address, you know, maybe like personal email. But I, I, I want to just get away from like the, the constant desire and, and constant attention um, suck it is to, to have that, you know, that number keep popping up at me. Do you have both your work email and your personal email inside the same application? Yeah. One thing I would maybe suggest is moving your personal email either out to the Gmail application or downloading something like Outlook. Because so I think that does make a difference. I mean, so I already I already have the Gmail app on my phone and, and have my personal email hooked up there. And what I use it for primarily is if I want to search for a personal email like you exactly. from like some time ago like the the mail app sucks at that and i actually it just, well it d- does it even suck or does it just not do it I, yeah i don't know and i don't even know if it's the mail app's fault or if it's the way that the imap integration with with gmail is but yeah it just just doesn't really work but whereas the gmail app is it's phenomenal the search there is great i so i've thought about that and i think maybe even at one point a year or two ago i tried that but then it just it seemed it seemed weird to have two different email clients when I could just have one. Sure, but I think the ability to keep the unread count rather than it just being like this vague like number six and wondering is that two personal emails and four work emails, that segregation or like ease of discerning is is there's something to that. Yeah, but I think my desire not to see that number applies to both. So. Okay. Well, uh, do you have anything else with that? Um, no, I, I think I think I mean it's it's been twelve hours since I've done it, so it's not like okay. I have some so we'll, big revelation yet. But okay, we'll revisit. But so, with your personal account, do you? So you use Gmail, correct? Yes. Okay. So I mean that's interesting for the personal account because do you get a lot of unwanted email? No, my, I, I would say that my work email was the overwhelming That's what reason you over the edge. why I wanted to do this. And my, my personal email, I, I only get a handful of emails a day on that. And it's, it's, it's generally stuff that's relevant. Because if you're like aggressive and, and on top of unsubscribing from any service that you sign up for that just conveniently opts you into their mailing list of whatever, whatever. You can usually manage that pretty easily, and I'm a big fan of Gmail filters, where there are certain things that I do want to get, but I don't want... Like, you can tell um, Gmail to automatically mark certain senders as red so that they don't trigger uh, an unread message, and you can also have them filed away under different labels and folders automatically. So depending on how picky and fiddly you want to be, that is kind of convenient. But for work email, that's that's tricky because I I, get, I don't know your exact situation of how much you end up getting on a daily basis. Like I usually end up getting between like twenty and fifty, so it it varies. But like yeah, I I feel it's easier 
to leave it on, but also to just be very aggressive and decisive about deleting and marking as red from the watch. Because the thing is, if you just get a quick tap and then you're like, oh, this doesn't involve me or this isn't that important, you either just delete or f move to a folder and then you're on with your life. Because I understand the emotional kind of trepidation of seeing 12 there all the time, especially when you're just kind of either over work or you're leaving work and you're just like, I don't want to deal with this. And then every time you unlock your phone, you see that unread count there. But I don't know, like, it feels like just letting it come to the watch as a notification makes it a lot more actionable. Like, I think even Mike Hurley said this on Upgrade, that he does allow email notifications on the watch. And that, for me, I don't know, for me at least, seems to make the most sense. Because eventually you do have to deal with it. It's just when are you spending the time? And I'd rather it be just very minimal chunks throughout the day so are you you don't have like the 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 haptic feedback enabled for these notifications do you well how else would you get notified well so you can have it set so that notifications come to the watch but they don't they don't tap you they just you know get sent to no the... because here's the thing what drives me nuts more like i would much rather have an a, a tap for something that is not that important than have that damn little red dot there when I didn't know, like something came in. Because for me, seeing that red dot when I didn't feel a tap is just maddening to me because it means like the taptic engine failed or I, or I wasn't paying attention or something. That's way worse. Yeah, okay, I, I get that same feeling. Um, but so, so I, I would say I get probably, and the, the number of emails I get too probably varies quite a bit, but it, 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 I think it would easily be between 50 and 100 a day. Okay, that's probably twice what I get. So I, I can understand that that is... So like that, that would... I mean, like I, I've actually, I'm already at the point where I feel like I'm, I'm on the upper edge of my watch tapping me too much throughout the day. Like I don't, I don't, think, it's got, I don't think it's pushed over that edge yet, but it's pretty close. And so e email would just, I mean, no way. I think you just have to be super, like, and, and I, I'm a, a picky, fiddly person, but, like, you have to be just super judicious about what, and not even just on the watch, but what uh, what apps are able to send notifications to you, and if it's customizable, like, to make it only the most important things. Oh, I am. I mean, I, I had I had a day, uh, you know, I'd sometime probably around when the watch came out last year, where, like, you remember, like, back in the day, you would meticulously go through and add metadata to your iTunes library? Like, that would be an afternoon project at some point. That hasn't stopped. <laughs> well, that's, we should we should come back to that, too. Uh, I mean, that, that's what the notification settings were for me one day on my iPhone. It was a, you know, couple-hour project going through app by app, figuring out a, did I want notifications? And B, if I did, what type of notifications I wanted? Um, and I have that in a good place, I think. And I am very, very judicious about both what comes on my phone and the watch. Um, but again, I feel like even after going through that careful scrubbing, I really wouldn't want many more notifications. And I mean, again, the thought of email, I mean, email would... There's, I don't think I get 50 notifications a day on my watch. I'd, I'd be surprised if it were that high. So email would well over double, maybe even triple the number of notifications I get. So on your work laptop, do you, I assume you use Outlook, right? Right. 
do you permit the one? I assume you have sounds off. Like your your work laptop's probably always on mute, right? Oh, if I, I'm I'm not an animal, of course. <laughs> okay. of course. Do you permit the uh, Outlook to have either that little, like you know, the little thing you have in the lower right no, corner? No, or... no, no, no. Okay. No, no. That's that's the worst because you're it you're, is. you're projecting during a meeting. That thing pops up. It's some weird. E- no, you don't. You no. Okay, just just making sure. But do you have any form of you have email alert on that computer? No, because my setup is I I have like a stand that allows my laptop to be like propped open and then I have it connected to an external monitor. And so I always just have Outlook. Um, I always just have Outlook on the laptop screen and then do do everything else on the other monitor. Okay. Oh, so your email is always open. Yeah. Oh, uh, yikes. Yeah. But see, like for me during the day, like when I'm at my desk, that's fine. Um, like ad- addressing email throughout the day isn't something that bothers me when, when I'm at work. So I guess that so that's where we differ is that if you always have email open during the day and most of your email happens during working hours, I assume, hopefully, um, that's different because you wouldn't like I would you would only want taps for things that you aren't already seeing. So I think that's where we're different. Well, I just I guess what this is all coming down to is for me, like when I step away from the desk, you know, when I'm done for the day or especially like if over the weekend or if I'm so like where this started too was I. I got into the habit starting with that three-week trip I took over the summer where I disabled that notification badge for those three weeks that I was gone um, and didn't open you know, the mail app once during that time. And it was great. It was a really nice feeling. And then I, and more recently, had kind of gotten into the habit of like over the weekends, I would turn it off. Um, and it was kind of a, it was a freeing feeling. And so that's what led me to today thinking well why don't I just have that all the time and you know when I'm at work I'll I can focus on work email there and then just you know as time permits when I'm outside of work I can also check email but I I don't I don't have this thing constantly reminding me of it so what is your again like I want to do personal but like what is your obligation at work to be available after hours what what is kind of the social norm there because I know it's a difficult balance no, it's it's a good question. Um, I would say there is a certain expectation, especially like around this time of year where like I'm in finance, we're getting, you know, our annual filing put together, you know, press release here in a couple of weeks, et cetera. So that like this time of year, I think there is somewhat of an expectation. It's not, it's not draconian or anything. It's not like you have to respond within, you know, 30 minutes or something, but there is somewhat of an expectation. Like if somebody sends you an email at seven o'clock, are you have expected to have dealt dealt with it before you come into work the next day? Uh, potentially, I, w- I wouldn't say that's the norm, but but potentially. But I, I think one of the things is it becomes more of the expectation if you if you if you actually do it right. Like if you, if you are the type that is responding to emails kind of constantly, I think then you build up somewhat of a reputation towards that whereas as a go-getter i'm I'm joking i'm joking sorry um but i think you know if you start to maybe build up a reputation where it's like hey you know when i'm at home i I don't really look at email then i think people respect that um so that's you know it's kind of the drug and that's the thing about it too right is you know even when i was looking at emails on my phone all the time 
most of the time I, I wouldn't actually act on that email until I got into work the next day. And I, I am basically an inbox zero kind of guy. And also that means that whatever you like that would now be hanging over you. Like Well, I mean not not always. Like I, I, I would generally archive emails you more often than not but occasionally i would leave because like well we've talked about this and i know you disagree with it but like my inbox to me is is one of my to-do lists essentially oh um sorry well because but i but i'm good with i do have a lot of filters set up in outlook um and i just i don't know that for me that works um and that's that's the part of it that i think is going to be a little interesting is to see, you know, I, I do a lot of triaging with email on my phone historically. And if having the notification badge turned off leads to me looking at my email less on my phone, just, which is kind of the point or part of the point, at least, I, w- I wonder if I wonder if that's going to be now harder to do because there's going to be more kind of waiting unread um, when I actually look at email on my computer. Well, I wish you the best. And I, I kind of like an unrelated note, little little personal thing I really want to try to get into is Serenity Caldwell said something on Clockwise a couple of episodes back that really struck home, which is she's she's not looking at her phone until she gets out of bed. Uh, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which I, and we're all guilty of it, I think, where, you know, I'll... I'll pick up my phone off the charging dock while I'm still laying down, still kind of waking up and then I'll check Twitter and then there'll be an interesting link there and I'll surf the web, do email. I just like, I'll, like 30 minutes later, I'm, I, I'm still just laying there on my phone. I, I really want to get out of that habit, especially if like for someone like me who I have an hour commute in the morning, it's all on public transit. So I, you know, I don't have to drive or anything. So I, I've got all that time already to, to do all that stuff. It's such a waste of time to to just do it even before I get up. Yeah, I remember that, and that seemed to really hit home. And I still don't do it. <laughs> I I haven't been successful either. I mean, this morning I I did it, but I I'm really trying to to get in that habit. It's a noble goal. Yeah. Well, so is this notification badge thing. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but again, I wish you the best. I, uh, again, managing your work life balance, or just kind of managing. Because again, that turns like a, a 40 to 50 hour a week job into like a 70 hour a week job. If you're just, again, because if your mind's there, you're kind of, that's not your personal time anymore. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's, I, my job, my job does have a pretty good work-life balance. I, I, I don't feel, I don't feel overwhelmed really like just in the, like the volume of work or the volume of hours. But I think that that's a good way to put it, like you just said, which is it's, it's, it's kind of like the mental side of it where you're thinking about work. And that, that's that's always been a challenge for me is sort of unplugging. Like and not not just with work, but just in general. Like I'm I'm the type where like my mind is always going. And so hopefully this will be a way to you know, disconnect a little bit. Yeah. And all right. So so with this, let's let's change this up a little bit. So let's talk about home screens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this this is gonna be a painful topic for you, I think. Or or for you. We'll see. I'm not sure. I think I think the listeners. Sorry, I almost said viewers. Thanks God, this is not a video podcast. Oh yeah, no. The, Do those still exist anymore? I don't think so. Right. I think it's. I think it's kind of a thing. Like I, I think I'm pretty sure like Twit still does video and like I don't see how that adds anything. Yeah, I don't either. Unless they're visual aids or something. But well, no, but but you can't do that if your podcast is predominantly listened over audio. That, so that that's the problem. So, so in that case, it, then then it's it's a terrible format because you're just, you're adding something that like if if you know that ninety percent of your audience 
can't see it, then you're not going to put anything valuable there. Right. I think I think if you're going to do a video podcast, you you have to be exclusively a video podcast. That's that's the only way that works. Anyway. Anyway. So let's yeah, let's let's talk about home screens. Okay, so I'm gonna I have my iPhone here. I'm pulling up my beautifully organized home screen. I think so. <laughs> we got some disagreements here. Let me paste uh, an image into the Slack. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. We should. Do that's that to here. whoops. I sent that to myself. Whoops. <laughs> In your your private Slack channel. This is my little notepad. Oh, it's way easier than just having a, like an Evernote thing. By the way, the just you know um, we like to say nice things about Slack on this show. The, the whole um, use last photo taken shortcut for photos. The best. Just just absolutely wonderful. Well, isn't that a, a system wide thing on iOS? No, I don't think so. Slack is the only place I've ever noticed it. Well, it's also there in Tweetbot. I don't ever post photos to Twitter, so. Gotcha. So I don't know. I assumed it was the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh god, your your home screen is infuriating. Oh my. Oh my gosh. I I've never been I've never been more angry at you than with this home screen. Oh, it's. Have you looked at your own? Oh my gosh. Mine is mine is beautiful. Mine's mine's perfect in every way. <laughs> your wallpaper. Uh, makes my head hurt. It's Ireland. Uh, it's the it's the it's Ireland the Jameson has a, Distillery. It's it's a very nice photo. You can't fucking tell because the photos <laughs> and camera app are covering it. Uh, okay. Okay. So let, let's let's just let's go one by one, or let's let's just talk each about what our home screen philosophy is, because I think there's a lot. Because you use your phone, so how many times a day do you think you unlock your phone? Oh man. Like how many days? How many times a day do you look at your home screen to either do something? Hundred, probably. It'd be probably, yeah. So I think having a carefully constructed home screen matters a lot, and I have two kind of main tenets on this, which is the first is you have to have a non-distracting wallpaper that doesn't make finding things or reading what an app is or identifying things difficult, and also that generally you should be using the search field more often than anything else to find applications and on that note that means you should probably only have one home screen that what is what is your philosophy just not that uh, clearly so <laughs> go ahead and explain it so oh i mean there oh my gosh there's just oh there's so much to unpack here god wallet is still on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should, we should come back to that a uh, lot to come back to this week. Um, well, I guess let, let's okay. Let's first. No, no. Just explain your. Okay, well, you you have on. to so have a philosophy. I want, I want to be. I want to try to get some positive things first before before I get on super who's? negative. So well, so we we ha we both have Fantastical and the phone app in the same locations. Oh, and Safari. So we have three. Well, no, no. Here's the thing. You can't mess with the bottom dock except for Tweetbot. It's email, phone, and web browser at the bottom. I don't get these people that put messaging at the bottom. Hmm. Why is mail at the top left for you? Why wouldn't it be? Why would it be? Well, because I use. Hmm. Hmm. See, I think that's a fundamental difference. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, so 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 the nice things. Okay, Fantastical. Yeah. So so we have a couple of apps in the same location. That's nice. Fantastical, the phone app, and Safari. Okay. Sorry. Can we pause again? Yeah. Why the hell do you have the contacts application? It's built into the phone app. That's a fair point. Um, 
Well, so let, let's talk about what's wrong with yours first. No, no. Let's so, talk about what's right with yours. No. So you you have like, oh this oh, I just I, I just want to hang up. I just can't even I can't even deal with this. What part upsets you? You you have two blank spaces on the bottom row of the home screen. Intentionally. Because it goes back to the original iPhone. Apple oh. actually let me let me look at Apple's it's because they too. didn't it's because they didn't have enough stock apps to fill the no home let me screen. let me look at it because I don't think the current iPhone comes with a full home screen let me see you're probably right actually it doesn't yeah that, that they actually if you go to uh, apple.com slash iPhone they have two spaces left over that that is infuriating no Why it's would you not. not use that space what, what what is that space doing for you it gives you a place for your thumb and again, remember when I, I, I think I said this like maybe four oh, episodes ago. A space ago. for your thumb for what, what are you doing? With your, you don't have a second home screen. You don't need to swipe over. It just, it's, it's there for just purity. <laughs> so I think, yeah, and oh also, if you, if you want to talk about infuriating, if you want to swipe over and show your second home screen, oh, which, I, I, I what guess, is I going can, on there. I can send that to you. Yeah, hold on. Let's, let's do this here. Because it's just a sea of half empty folders <laughs> with no rhyme or reason. Um, well, no. So they, they, there is reason. They're they're um, they're kind of they're well, they're kind of organized like based on what I use more often. Well, and and here's the deal. I guess here's uh, what I mean is uh, there's a different philosophy like for what the folders are. I think like on yours when I was looking at it is that you have uh, I think it was Instapaper and Kindle under reading, and I think there's a different. Certain people organize their apps either by like function and like what the app relates to compared to how they use their phone. Like I have a certain folder for specifically work apps. I have a folder called um, current for like news and information apps. Pinned is what I have for things like when I'm getting ready for my day. So it has dark sky. It has ETA, which tells me how long it'll take to get to work or places I'd want to go. It has my habit tracker and like Google Maps. So it has stuff that relate in terms of function so that you minimize the amount of time you're spending in different folders. But then you have like the Amazon app in, in a folder called Wallet, which is bizarre. No. So that means like anything that is shopping or commerce related. And then you have like a folder called Stream, but then Apple Music and Spotify are in the pin folder. So <laughs> Stream is for my lesser used media applications and unfortunately pandora gets shoved in there because i don't like its app icon <laughs> i want it to be in pin but it, it the, the app icon's too ugly oh man and, it, it, and i like pandora so much and i use it so much that i literally have to go to a separate folder because i don't like looking at it <laughs> uh, you're oh, you're so you're so strange um Oh, then you have another folder called fun, which so and we I should point a couple of things out about this. So all of your other folders a- appropriately have the first letter capitalized, which is what you're I think you're supposed to do. So the, but this is fun with a lowercase f, which also is just it's absolutely just excruciating. I do that to myself because I don't want to get to the games that are on the second page of that folder. Uh, wait, what? So that folder used to be just games. And then I tr- I, I'm trying to this whole like be healthy this thing here. So instead, it's uh, Fitstar, the health app, Nike running, and all trails. But but then it, then inexplicably, in addition to the lowercase f, it also it's has got a, period. a period at the end. Which, Damn right it does. 
which you know I, I have to admit that I I do I, I do appreciate your um your philosophy towards a period where when when we're texting or sending messages over Slack you'll you'll include periods even after responses that just include an emoji I I, I appreciate that a lot. Well, because how else would you do it? <laughs> emojis after periods. That's that's it. That's well, that's, no periods. That's per, periods after emojis. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, but, but here I, I, it's, it, there just are no words for this. Anyway, other than that folder, again, that one's debatable. Like, oh, sorry, let me go back to yours. Jesus. So I think also maybe one thing we can, we can agree on just to have a little break in the negativity. Why do you have two slick deal apps? uh, There's one for like Black Friday and there's one for. It's fucking January. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fair. Um, oh, and hold on. You have a sports folder that has just a single app in it called Sports. No, that's not true. Yes, you do. Hold on. Oh, the the Yahoo Sports app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should just delete that. Maybe I will just delete that. Um, I do, the Yahoo Sports app is way better than the ESPN app because ESPN's gotten super ad heavy. Actually, I I don't mind the ESPN app. I do like that you don't have to have a separate watch ESPN app now, though. Yeah, that that is nice. Um, so she goes that the standalone watch ESPN app never did get upgraded for uh, if the it's iPhone, for video, the doesn't matter. Five screen or the six screen. Um, so one to again a break in the negativity. One thing we can't agree on, um, in addition, well, I guess in addition to a couple app placements, is we both don't have a lot of apps in general. Like I look at some people's no, I have iPhones, a lot. and you do. There's a lot in folders. Okay. Right. I think I have like about 180. Okay. How many do you have? Settings, general, about. Okay. Let's see. Settings, general. 179. About 138. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah. I, I've been trying to streamline what I have on here. Yeah. Also, I mean, so let's get back to the negativity. Um <laughs> Uh, you're, one about your one password being in a folder. <sighs> because how often do you need one password? All the time. What are you doing? Entering passwords. Fuck, you're, then you're using it wrong. So hold on, a couple questions with that. Well, one, again, my pick well, of the, the week the last sh- week. The share, the share sheet thing doesn't... Uh, we should, we, the, works 95% uh, of the time. Uh, Except for JP Morgan Chase. Anyway, again, if you use my suggestion from last week, what I prefer is to have uh, Authy, which is my two-factor authentication app because I hate Google Authenticator's icon, and one pass. <laughs> I do. I am super I, picky. I do appreciate that you make a lot of your app decisions based on the icon. Again, I'm not that shallow. It's just I f- some apps just have an offensive icon to me. Like it, it, some of them are not even trying, and Google Authenticator is one of them. It's like the most Androidy app icon on ios right now so anyway but like using launcher allows you to have one password authy and like in dropbox and those kinds of super commonly used apps especially apps that you want to use when you're in another app i think that's way more useful because if you're in another app and you need to go to one password if you don't do it that way you're having to go the home screen anyway so what's the difference between an extra tap where with my method you can be inside Safari or whatever app you need to get a password for. Swipe down, and it's just right there. Where where are all the stock iOS apps? They are in the folder current behind all the news apps. 
because I use them so infrequently that I don't even want to look at them. That's b- b- baffling. Why? The, 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 the title of that folder, current. Because I'm nuts and I want them to be alphabetical. So that's why it goes current library office pin. By the way, can I just point out that the first app in your current folder is the MLB at bat app here on Janu- well, January 20th. I want to know off-season news. <laughs> and one password's in a folder called office, with also with Chrome and, and deliveries. Yeah, those are all my information apps. So if I want so to get why, a file out of Dropbox. So called information or info? Because info looks weird. So again, I've sent you just a picture of my notification center, I which I think is really useful. Okay, can I? I'm just so angry. Well, okay, th- yeah. So this is where. Okay, if we we can agree a little bit more on this, I, th- I think I actually, I actually think you sent me a photo of this a few months back, and I think I I largely modeled my notification screen after this. Well, are you using Launcher? Yeah, I have Launcher. I so I have I I don't have the um forecast thing enabled right below the date like you do but right below the date is, is my launcher yeah so then when you need to go to one password are you going there or are you going to the home screen the home screen so then but why because this is easier well it's okay so let me because uh, then the placement of the app doesn't matter so so i i put the screen on swipe down one password well now one password's asking me to oh as i re- restarted my iphone today um so can you just leave your thumb down and it'll mm-hmm. both unlock your phone and open one password? Oh, you that's another weird thing. You allow notification center while your phone's locked? That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so if my Why? my phone's locked, you swipe down and well cuz I don't I don't have anything there except for launcher and my calendar. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, I don't know. I've never tried that. I don't allow that while it's locked. So no, so so it it, it doesn't. So yeah, I have to lift my thumb and then put it back. But down again, again, you would only need one password because you're in either a website or another app that's requesting a password. Hmm. So that's where I find it easier to be like inside of like let's say I'm I'm like trying to log into um like Spotify logged me out for some reason, and I'm there. I just swipe down. I can open up one password, and that's one fewer click than even having the one password app on the home screen itself. I didn't know you could make launcher um, five applications wide like that. Oh yeah, you if you have the gigantic icons on, that's super not useful. Hmm. Yeah, that should I have to fix that? Okay. Anyway, we're we're getting into the weeds here, but we have d- very different approaches. That's okay. The only thing that does just startle me is is your wallpaper choice. But again, if it has some sentimental meaning for you, then. I, it does, although I, I mean, I, but I don't it is entirely. super difficult to read. Yeah, I, I don't entire disagree, entirely disagree with that. You have Instagram on here, yet you refuse to use it. Think of how many dogs you're not following on Instagram. We talk about ugly app icons. Again, that's that's fine. I don't disagree there. I so I I will so the things I will agree with you. I, the the wallpaper. I, I see your point. Um, wallet and contacts being on the home screen. I I see your point there. Um, New York Times instead of uh, New York Times now. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um, I prefer... Hmm. So, the, so the, I mean, the thing that I was using New York Times now for primarily was the, the, the morning briefing that they put up. 
mm-hmm. but that's available in the main app. So, hmm. Now I haven't used the main app in a while. It's nice. Hmm. It, it's it's uh, to be honest, it's it's mostly the same as the the now app. The, the layout's the same. Mo- most of it seems the same. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think we we helped a lot of people here. I think so. Yeah. No, I definitely think so. I'm, you know, not not to spoil a potential future topic, but I I, I think I'm getting closer to buying OmniFocus. We we talked about it a lot this last weekend. I've been thinking about it some this week. It I, I'm getting close. There are far worse things you could waste forty dollars on, plus sixty dollars for the Mac app. <laughs> Again, like just if it turns out to be not useful for you. Not a big deal. Well, yeah, it's it's a hundred dollars, but I'm sure you you've wasted a hundred you wasted a hundred dollars on Twitter stock, more than a hundred. Yeah, it was more than it was more than a hundred. Far more than a hundred. Yeah. Moving on, yeah. moving on. It could have been worse. <laughs> not, not by much. <laughs> um, like during the day's biggest sell-off, somehow Twitter's up ten percent today i i saw apparently there were like some like buyout rumors i read read after hours about that that's so. not happening no okay so anyway home screens i don't think we actually helped anybody but again central philosophies i have Be, uh, just a plain easy to read wallpaper and smart use of folders and generally just use app search it's way easier oh, I, just, I just i cannot look at those blank spaces oh that's oh well then how the hell do you deal with the the second page of your home screen that has nine blank spaces well because that's because that's the the screen i don't see very often that doesn't bother me if you don't see it very often then all those apps can be just in one big ass folder yeah there's there's some merit to that okay moving on yes i think we have some news this week do we i mean we just spent uh spent almost an hour talking about disney's hockey team imax and or and uh iphone home screens it's it's your fault we talked about that yeah um so I, I can i can i have a little bit of a little bit of follow-up from last week oh we could talk about oculus yeah go for it so was it last week that i talked about pre-ordering maybe two weeks ago no i think just one okay. it hasn't been out for that long no, whatever um so yeah, pre-ordered an Oculus, and you know there were recommended PC specs put out. It might have even come out before the pre-orders went up. It, I built my desktop about two and a half years ago. I couldn't even actually tell you what the vi- exact video card I had or processor was um, off the top of my head. But I knew I, I figured that my video card was probably borderline in terms of being on the recommended list and i figured the rest of my pc was fine because when i when i built the computer a couple years ago it wasn't absolutely top of the line but it was you know it was pretty close and um so oculus has a a utility you can download where it just scans your hardware and it'll tell you hey you know your your video card's fine your processor's fine ram operating system etc um so i over the weekend i ran that utility just to kind of just to you know double check things and it was kind of a bummer (laughs) what i discovered so my graphics card which again i thought was kind of on the edge is two full generations behind uh, on the nvidia side and then my processor also shockingly not only does it not meet the recommended spec it also is two full generations behind 
And the, the real bummer with that is in order to upgrade to a, an Intel processor that's in line with what they recommend, it's a completely different socket type. Because you actually had a really good suggestion when we talked about this on Saturday, which is, oh, well, maybe you can just reuse your motherboard and drop in a different processor. So that is actually one of the things I checked when I got home. So I hadn't really thought about that. But sure enough, the socket type I have was discontinued not too long after I bought my uh, computer. So, Sounds right. So I'd, I'd have, so I, I would need a different socket type, which means that you need a different motherboard, which means that you need different RAM. And so at that point, you basically are building an entirely new computer. So in order for me to get my desktop up to the recommended specs of Oculus, I would need to replace everything except for my case, my hard drive, and my power supply, which are like the three least expensive components of, a, of building a desktop. <laughs> sure. So I think that leads to a very logical and important follow-up question. Yes. Is it still worth it? Or will you, will you undertake this? It, it is not worth it. No. Um, well, actually, first, did you do any research into whether or not this computer setup is just not recommended and therefore will run at a lower frame rate or will be just worse? So our, so friend of the show, Troy, is in exactly the same position I am, where he also pre-ordered right away, and we built these desktops together at the same time. So we, we have the same specs. I think he has a slightly different video card, but same processor, same same everything else. Um. I think he just. I think he has a an ATI card or AMD, sorry, uh, card instead of an Nvidia card like I have. Did they drop the ATI brand entirely? I think so. I think it's. I think it's all like AMD now. Hmm. Um, and you know, we were we were thinking like, well, will it will it still run? Just not run very well, or will it literally just like pop up an error saying, "Hey, you don't meet the minimum specs"? And we looked around a little bit, and we we couldn't find a consensus on that. But so here's my thing: like, if I am gonna go down the VR route, like, I want to do it right. I don't, I don't want to get the Oculus and then have the frame rate be crap like that. That that's not good for anybody. So if I decide to go forward with Oculus, I'll do it right. And I'll, my, my thought and the way I, I kind of did some research online over the weekend to kind of price out what upgrading to like an Oculus ready PC would be. And I, I kind of leaned towards going like a, a half step to a full step above what their recommended specs are. Because I, I think with, with most like PC games, you never really want to be at the minimum or really even at like the recommended you you kind of want to be a step above that to really get the best experience so that that's what i was that's what i was looking at and that would be my philosophy is if, if i do go forward with this which i think i am a little bit on the fence on i would go and you know do it the right way so have you decided or what is your timeline for deciding I, I, i'm not decided so you know they didn't charge my credit card when i pre-ordered and they won't until it ships in april so i have until april basically to, to, to think about it it would be so i i i didn't do a ton of like price comparison or anything i just kind of looked at new egg and again when i when there was kind of like two paths to go down either like meeting just the the minimum of their recommended spec or going kind of like a half step above um go leaning towards the half step above route it was a little over a thousand for for everything is there any resale in old PC components or is it pretty much no? I could, so I could probably sell this like at work 
Um, but to be honest, like it's probably, I wouldn't get much for it. And it's probably like, I'd also have to weigh the cost of, if I did sell it, that means that I would have to then buy a new power supply and a new case. And so by the time I did that, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't might even be net. I, it would be net very little. So, and I, and I really, I like my case and I like the power supply that's in it. Um, so, so no, it's, it's not, not, not worth selling. Gotcha. But Dave is a bit of a bummer. You know, I, I, I was surprised at how high the barrier to entry is because again, you know, I, by all, by all accounts, I'm, I'm kind of a tech nerd, right? Like, and I buy frivolous, uh, computer and electronic purchases. And, you know, when I built this computer, I spent a good amount of money on it, got some pretty good pieces of hardware in there. And, you know, here I am a little over two years later, and this thing is nowhere even close to being Oculus ready. So I, I have to like, I have to wonder like how many people even have what's required to run an Oculus Rift. Like that number is not, it can't be that big. But I assume the number of people electing to buy one is probably small relative to the number of people who have like custom built PCs. Yeah, but just it just it feels like one of the things that VR's really got to do is it's got to get into the hands of a lot of people and it's got to get a lot of word of mouth going and having But by the time a lot of word of mouth get uh word of mouth gets going, let's say that's in June when many people have it in their hands, that means all this technology will be cheaper at that point in time. Well, cuz I don't know how quickly graphics cards and that because i know intel is kind of plateauing on what they're doing with processors but that stuff's got to get cheaper too right right um and that's that's part of the part of what i'm banking on is that by the time april rolls around like the stuff that i just looked at this weekend if it goes down a couple hundred bucks in price then you know then it starts to maybe be a bit more of a bit more of a feasible option yeah some people did there I, as I was I was sending some of this to Troy and <clears throat> and as we were kind of looking at it there there are some people like posting builds online of like VR ready PCs that they're putting together and it, it can be done for like five to six hundred if you're willing just to barely meet their recommended specs and if you like <laughs> this one of the like it was like five hundred fifty dollars like that build like the i think the graphics card was like from ebay like not a used one but just like from some ebay vendor and the the processor was from some weird some weird computer hardware website i had never heard of so it's you know it it can be done on the cheap but or not, not really on the cheap but cheaper can oculus run on a celeron does does Intel still make Celeron processors? I don't I don't think so. Oh man. Is is there an e-machines that's capable of running Oculus? Oh, that's that's a good question. You know, I I had a customer ask me one time at Best Buy what the difference between a PC and an e-machines was. E-machines can get online. That's true. <laughs> well, that Okay, first I sent you a dog video, but hold on. There's a let me look for a photo. So this is this is a uh, corgi popping out of an Amazon box, which is which is pretty darn cute. Yeah. Um, 
You really, you really need to get a corgi. I do, but let me send you a picture of an e-machines computer, and this this photo always cracks me up. Oh, yeah, the never obsolete sticker. I remember those. Yeah, and also I love that there's a dedicated uh, there are dedicated stickers for the Celeron processor that it's Windows ninety eight ready, and that it includes AOL pre installed. So let's so let's highlight. So this the the sticker at the top is it says this computer is never obsolete. Well, so so then this this is actually funny. So before we actually get to the specs here, the last bullet point below never obsolete is plus upgrade your PC to the fastest model on the market every two years for only ninety nine dollars. If you subscribe to their dial up internet service. So, but, but if you if you, if your computer's never obsolete, why would you need to upgrade every two years? I think it means that the two year upgrade program means it's never out of date because you're upgrading every two years. Mm, the fine the fine print. But I think the foible here is that. E-Machines no longer exists, neither does dial-up, neither does anything on here. Well, yeah, as I was going to say, this is a... Ooh, there's a a front-facing serial port for a joystick. Right. Yeah, so Intel Celeron processor, 566 megahertz. And of course, this is is back when clock speed was the thing, right? 32 megabytes of RAM. What is Sync DRAM? Is that just SDRAM? And then I don't know, it says 200... Oh, you can upgrade to 256. Okay, I don't know. And then seven and seven and a half gigabyte hard drive, forty x CD-ROM. Although it's weirded when you scroll up on the PC, the actual door of the CD-ROM drive says twenty four x. I think somebody swapped in a different drive. Maybe. And then a three D AGP graphics card. This is this is way before um, like PCI Express. God, I, I forgot about AGP ports. Wow accelerated graphics port uh i um is pci express still the thing that things use for graphics cards now yeah that, that that's so i it had been a while since i had gotten real deep in on like what was what was new with with pc hardware but i spent a couple hours re- researching it over the weekend and i forgot how much i love that stuff but but yeah uh, pci express is, is still it's still the standard it's gotten there's been newer versions of it it's like faster now but the slot itself yeah oh my god hold on sorry one other thing i never knew that e-machines made a really shitty imac clone oh they did oh boy i don't i don't remember seeing this either it god it does look like an imac like i like old school imac the colored IMAX. yes but way uh oh god okay we hold on <laughs> we have other topics yeah what Let's... what happened your 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 home screen has just ruined my life. So <laughs> still distracted by that. So illegible. Okay. Um, scrolling, scrolling. So actually, so let's talk about you. You put this in here. Uh, the this I think this is an upgrade that was an overflow from uh, this week's uh, upgrade podcast. So how iOS going forward will be upgraded. Yes. So kind of go ahead and recap that. So the first beta was released for iOS 9.3. And there were a couple of interesting things about it. One was it it got a separate page on Apple's website, which is unusual. And in fact, I don't think it's ever happened for a point release of iOS. And secondly, and the reason it had a page is because there are... a Ton, kind of a ton of new features in 
iOS 9.3. Like not not quite like the same number of features or the breadth of features that you'd expect from like a full new release of iOS, but but also not that far off. Um and so the speculation that Jason and Mike had was that maybe this is a signal that instead of just doing one big iOS release a year and then doing some very small incremental point updates throughout the year that Apple might be moving towards a model where you know they just kind of come out with point releases throughout the year that represent more significant updates. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to continue just to see what we've always seen with one big release a year and then maybe some of these point releases will become a little bit more significant but i wanted to see what your thought on that was so i think this uh, so i don't think that's going to happen i think for a while it's still going to get it's going to be tied to a uh kind of a wwdc new iphone in september type of release schedule i I don't think that's going to get upended anytime soon even though that means that apple will always kind of be stuck in this weird like trying to make nonsense features seem like the 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 best thing since sliced bread again what i would like to happen is is an idea that i think got a little bit of traction in the middle of last year which was that apple take more of an android like approach in the sense that the individual components of the operating system are upgradable through the app store on their own so if there's an improvement that they can make to icloud photo library or Apple Music to make it suck less, that they could release a software update that only addresses that one application so that the software on the phone could get iterated at a faster pace so that there doesn't have they don't so that Apple doesn't feel the need to have some big user facing feature in order to ship a bug release or a bug fix for Apple Music. So I think that's more likely and I think more uh, would do more good for the platform. Because I think they are in this weird trap where they're stuck on a big release every year, whether or not it's really ready. And, and, and I, for some reason, I don't know why that applies to the Mac as well, but it, it definitely does for the phone and probably will continue to do so. But I think uh, maybe compartmentalizing the operating system uh, and updating it independently would be a smarter way to go. And hopefully something they consider. But of the two, I think that's more likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think I think Apple's really, for better or worse, they're kind of kind of stuck with like the big the big iOS releases every year. This is this is only vaguely related. What are your uh, like six months in or four months in? What are your thoughts on three D touch? It's it's kind of kind of worthless. Do you remember it's there? No, most of the time, not I don't. Okay, same. I only notice it whenever it makes it harder for me to just do a touch and hold on something and, and uh, to do uh, a quick inbox entry in OmniFocus, which you'll be doing soon. Mm. So, And I just, you know, even now that most apps have it, and even when I do remember it, I just, it just, it's just not very useful. I don't know. Like the, the quick actions that come up are not very useful. I don't find peak and pop in apps to be all that useful. I don't know. Just in general, it's just... There haven't really been any interesting uses for it yet. Yeah, because I think no app developer, and well, also Apple themselves, 
because it's only available on one model of iPhone and Apple still concurrently sells five of them, they they don't have the luxury or or the ability to actually embed any useful functionality in it because how are you going to implement that on the older iPhones that they still willingly and happily sell? Right. So I I don't know if, if their promise is that this will be a feature that pe- that will, once the 6S becomes the bottom of the line, that's when people will start adopting it. That's not a great feature. Well, I, just, I don't even know. Again, it, like most of the apps I have support it, so it's not it's not adoption that's the problem. It's just... Well, no, it's, it's that they do, they've adopted it half-heartedly mm. because they can't put anything that's critical to the app's use in it. Yeah, okay, I see, I see what you're saying. All right. Um, and then we should round this out probably. It's getting long. Yeah. Uh, eh, a couple of quick picks. Um, something I was just... What, what is cars, trucks, iPads, and laptops? That's a, that's a bigger... That's that Jason Stell article with a funny quote from his daughter. I think that's a, long, oh, that's a longer... Oh, let's... You should put that back in the podcast ideas folders to circle back to yeah, that. Yeah, we will come back to that next week. So I'd, I'd want to know, this is just a really quick thing. How much of Netflix, like, viewership traffic, like, how much do you think happens in the web browser compared to either, like, a standalone device like an Apple TV or a smartphone app? Because I, I have not been to Netflix.com uh, except for, like, last Tuesday in, like, four years. I, th- I think I think this is probably the story of a lot of services like this. I think if you asked this question five, six years ago, it would have been almost entirely browser with hardly anything being done on a standalone device or smartphone app. And now I think it's completely the opposite where, I mean, it's... Like- in excess of ninety percent, right? Probably. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say yeah, ninety ten split would be my guess. Yeah, maybe. Do I mean, they still use Silverlight? Remember, Netflix was I don't know weird in adopting Microsoft Silverlight. Yeah, I don't know. No. Um. Okay, and then that that was about it. And there's an uh, I'll I'll just uh, tease this for next week. There's an uh, a new iOS app slash web service called Airtable that I'm pretty excited about that I've been using for a couple days and looks promising. So I'll have more on that next week. Yeah, I saw, so I saw that you put it in the Slack and then I, I had no idea what it was and I, I didn't look it up or anything through the week. And then I saw that it was on your home screen. So what, what, like, what is it? So it's a, it's kind of like Excel online and on iOS mixed with, FileMaker Pro, I don't know if you ever use that, but it's kind of like a local databasing application and like Google Sheets. It's weird, but it's super interesting. Huh. Like, do you have, um, like, do you have any lists of like uh, places you want to go? Like, and actually, I think we talked about this uh, a couple days ago too, like where I use Yelp for that, but um, like Yelp bookmarks, but like places you want to go or th- like if you're packing for a trip or something and you want to, like things you want to do or you want to budget stuff out. Like where does that stuff go? Is it just an an Excel sheet? Yeah, Excel. Yeah. This is interesting. I would recommend creating an account. It's free. And just messing around with their templates and seeing what it can do. I, I th- it's very interesting. I don't know what how I feel about it yet, but I think it's cool. So it's 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 free? Yeah. Their paid tiers are no, it's definitely free. Their paid tiers are like I've looked at what I think any normal like consumer would use. I don't see any reason you'd ever want to pay for it, which probably doesn't bode well. But huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna download it now. 
yeah, give it a try. Um, and then lastly, do you have any picks of the week? Yeah, I, I do. Yes. Okay. Give me time to think of mine. So go for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have one. Okay. Um, so my my pick of the week. This is this is not a a new app. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways I was super late to the game on this, but. Um, I set, I, for, for forever, I, I settled with Yahoo weather that was just the weather app I used and their app just became increasingly buggier and buggier. And I, I just, I, I got fed up with it. So I wanted a new weather app. I, I asked you about it and your recommendation was great. And it's now my, my pick of the week and it's weather underground. Um, it's largely very accurate. Um, it's a beautiful looking app. You removed ads, correct? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of, okay. Of, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous app, and the layout is just—it's so smart. Like, it just everything about it is—it's so functional. Um, the only problem, or maybe you've adjusted this. Do you ever? Tr- do you only care about the weather where you are, or for multiple locations? Ninety plus percent of the time, I only care about the weather where I am. Um, and I know that was one of your um, complaints was that it, it was hard to see weather in other locations, but I, I don't I don't understand why you have an issue with that. It's just that on on almost every other weather app, you can just swipe, whereas on this one, you have to tap the menu button and then yeah, choose I don't, the I don't I don't find that to be an inconvenience. Anyway. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's a great, great app. I love it a lot. Very good. And my pick of the week is nothing. Uh, hold on. This is your I, this is your concept. You're the one like pushing for this to be like a, a weekly thing. Uh, my, my pick of the week is uh, the Twitter account Dog Rates. Oh wow! You have talk about doing a 180 because it looked really dumb to start, but now that I kind of know, like it's like it's 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 it, it the yeah you you the, you the know, fact that the right. scale commonly exceeds ten is great, right? Um, and the fact that just like every description is, is very amusing. Like, I think there was one today where it was like a dog trying to melt snow <laughs> and just cause it was jumping up and down. And, like one of them said like uh, a very unfortunate, like dog has no eyes just cause it was jumping up and down and had really long hair. Right. Like, okay. So it's, it's dog underscore rates. It's just a very, very, very amusing, uh, Twitter account. A great compliment to, uh, at Darth, not, not even close to the level of, uh, prestige or prolificness uh but great nonetheless i think um i think maybe what your problem with dog rates was is that i had discovered it and then initially sent it to you during a time where darth was in hibernation and so i think i think you were still just grieving over the loss of darth and now now that darth is back i think you're maybe you're more open to um i've learned to love dogs again yeah or people posting dogs on the internet right yeah exactly well, good pick, and I, I'm I'm glad that you've that you've come around. Very much so, and it's it's great that that Darth also follows dog rates, and and vice versa. It seems I like this is not there's a little bit of overlap, but not too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, next week we'll have uh, more on Airtable and other stuff. You will have some uh, preliminary news from your OmniFocus trials. <laughs> At least download it on the Mac. That's free. Yeah, that that's not a bad idea. I could. And also, and again, if you do it on the on on iOS, it's twenty bucks or sorry, it's forty bucks, but it gets you both platforms. Worst case, just come on. Starting with the Mac app for free seems like that seems like the way to go. 
Well, but I think most of the utility is having it on your phone. I, I, I agree, but at least... So that's going to be tricky. Yeah, but at least seeing just the general overview and like how it would, would fit, I think. Okay, best of luck. If you have trouble, let me know because I know it can be... It, it's, it, it does a lot. Well, I, 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 will, I, will see, I will seek your guidance. All right. Have a good weekend, sir. You too.